Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to Loon Talk episode 5. I think I'm losing track at this point. I am Jonathan Harrison. I am one of your hosts today, joined by Dan Terrar, my usual co-host. And we have a special guest this week. We have our first guest to this season of Loon Talk. Uh, welcome in, Callum Williams. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Very, very good. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, let's just go with guests, shall we? I'm not sure special would be the right way to describe me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. What, no, no. no you're me, special. So, you know. Don't sell yourself short. You're special. <laughs> we got to go special if they're on a, on this show. They're, they'll, yeah. All our guests will always be special guests. Um, there we go. Let's just jump right into it. Two yeah. big wins for the Loons. Dan, we no longer have to talk about uh, losses anymore. We get to talk about about wins and there are two big one nil wins that come late in the second half each of the each of the goals uh just generally talking here you guys thoughts on the wins dan i'll start with you your thoughts on two straight wins for the loons this week well i think uh cal cal probably agree with me we could have done without quite so much drama <laughs> um, i mean it's fun and it's exciting but let's face it, we knew they were going to win those two matches. They didn't have to make it so exciting. And, um, but you know what? You can, you can break down the games, and we can talk about what went wrong, what went right. At the end of the day, go back to Vancouver first, Cal. All that really mattered was they got the win. It didn't matter how. I don't think they cared who scored. They just needed the three points and the win. And they got it in very dramatic fashion. Absolutely, and it's why we love this game, isn't it? You know, they could have very easily gone and, and, and easily got a 3-0 victory or something along those lines, and we would have all been a lot more settled. But it's just not the Minnesotan way, is it? I'm learning this very quickly, chaps. Um, it's just not <laughs> what happened here. So, um, you know, it, yeah, look, I mean, isn't it amazing what a couple of wins does for your season? Because now nobody's talking about being bottom of the Western Conference. Very few are talking about Adrian Heath. Um, needing to, to leave the football club. Um, it, it's amazing what happened in, in just um, a short few days. So um, I'm not going to suggest that the season has, has been turned around because I think it's far too early to start talking about the season being a, a wash already because we're, you know, quite frankly, we're six games in and there's a lot of football to be played. But um, yeah, from a psychological point, chaps, it was obviously exactly what Minnesota United needed. And um, I said this earlier on to somebody. Um, a few days ago that I, I think what would have been perfect would have been late drama and late victory <laughs> it's your fault and yeah. no doubt about it um, as I said earlier on you know you go and win 3-0 you go and win 4 or 5 no, whatever yeah sure great no problem everyone's happy but the sense of relief after those two victories I think also boosted the confidence as well and that only happens when you have those late wins and those dramatic wins as well. So I, I think it's been perfect for Minnesota United. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially, especially on yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday night especially, you could feel it when that when, when Abula scored. It wasn't just, you know, the small number of fans that were there. It was just everybody. You could see it on the bench. You could see it on the players on the field, on the subs on the sideline, up in the press box. I mean, that was that was just uh, just this huge 
yeah. breath of fresh air. It was just crazy. Yeah, the atmosphere at Allianz Field was absolutely electrifying, especially in those second halves, especially Saturday night as the game is just wearing on as Minnesota is putting on the pressure on Dallas. The atmosphere just ramped up to another level that it didn't feel like 4,000 fans. It felt like it was a full house again. It did. It really, really did. And, um, you know, I, that only really whetted the appetite didn't it really for having a, a full house in in what about a month's time or so um and and i can't wait i really can't wait and, yeah. and the roar that you heard from the entirety of the stadium it did it sounded like those forty thousand people in when uh, robin yeah. lord scored the late winner against um uh my word who did we just play it's been a, a whirlwind vancouver and dallas big pardon mm-hmm. um it's been one of those weeks um so yeah look i mean it, it was just um such a huge sigh of relief on, on both counts, really. Um, it, it felt as though there was um, a massive monkey off the back of Minnesota United. And now, hopefully, chaps, they can kick on and really start the season. Yeah, hopefully they can just continue this. It's kind of a tough time to, to gain that momentum back. You have a bye week this week, and then you play one match, and then you're off for three weeks. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough time. You know, it's always good to win, but you hope that their momentum will carry through what's going to be their lightest portion of the schedule. But, you know, guys will get healthy, and we might see DeBossi again. We haven't seen him yet this year, and uh, it'll be good to start seeing some of those bodies come back. But, man, when you're winning, you kind of want to just keep playing, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, absolutely. And Adrian, he sort of suggested the other side of the argument the other day, which I understand as well, but there's nothing you can do about it, right? You've got to, you've right. Got to get on with the schedule. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, I, I think um, it would have been good if Minnesota would have had another game, preferably another home game as well. That would have been a perfect yeah. world. But um, they have to deal with what's been thrown in front of them, Dan. And, um, you know, now it, it is literally a, a case of regrouping, uh, reassessing, and, and having a, a look. Uh, because they've got time now to have a look at what perhaps has not gone so well this year. But also that the good thing is now as well is, and, and Adrian, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, Adrian, he insinuated it, and it seems as though it's, it's out there. The, the two sides, one of them is confirmed. The, the other done, to my knowledge, but yet to be fully confirmed by, by the club. Um, they'll hopefully be in market next week. Um, and and that, was, that was Adrian saying next week. So this week, really, they should be in market at some mm-hmm. stage. Um, and hopefully that gives them a chance to integrate, gives them a chance to meet their teammates, have a few training sessions um, without any overriding pressure, just settle in when they can. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. And, and I would fully expect uh, two new players to be available for the game away to Real Salt Lake. Uh, but also you mentioned it as well, Dan, Daki Dibassi now seems to be on the mend. And um, no doubt Minnesota United have missed him. So... After two much-needed victories, Minnesota United will be back to full strength against Real Salt Lake. And I think they're going to look very, very different to the team that we've seen over the course of the last few weeks. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's jump into these games a little bit more. Um, and I kind of want to work from the back of the, the, the starting lineup all the way to the front. So let's start with Tyler Miller. Um, he gets the first start. He gets his first start of the season, his first two starts of the season. And... Has two clean sheets, uh, 
because he played well. He made a number of key stops. His distribution was good, um, but he also got a really good uh, showing from his back line. We'll get to them in a second, but I just want to get to the big question. Is Tyler Miller the number one goalkeeper going forward? It, From my standpoint going into the season, I thought Dane would, would be the number one keeper just based off the way he played uh, at the end of last year, but then when Adrian made the switch, it was he said it was just based off of just needing to make a change, and I completely believe that. They need to make a change after going 0-4. And then Tyler Miller comes in and plays it remarkably well. I personally think that it might be that there's a goalkeeping change in in the coming here, and Tyler Miller kind of earned that right to have that number one spot. You guys' thoughts? Uh, go ahead, Cal. I've no, <laughs> this is one of those questions that you're you have the luxury that mm-hmm. most teams don't have, of having two starting goaltenders. And when I say starting goaltenders, I mean they could start just about anywhere in the league. Um, that's a great problem to have, isn't it? Absolutely it is. It's a wonderful problem to have. And it, it's, for once, it's a positive head-scratcher for Adrian Heath. And, um, yeah. yeah, look, I, it is, you mentioned the word luxury. That is the absolutely right word for it. Um and uh, to answer the question, Jonathan, uh, I, I think Alan Miller is the number one going forward. And look, I, I don't think it's it's not necessarily, you know, Dane St. Clair wasn't necessarily dropped because he had a bad run of games or anything yeah. along those lines. Right, he, right. He didn't, he didn't necessarily have uh, his best evening in Colorado. Uh, but I, I don't think, um, from a defensive point of view, many did. No. If you go back and, and you look back at the, the 20 starts that Dane St. Clair has had for the club, I, I, I struggle to think of, of a moment where you think to yourself, hmm, goalkeeper should have done better there. You know, there, there aren't many moments when I think to myself that was the case, apart from the second Colorado goal where I thought it was I, I, I don't know what you said Dan but I, I thought um, I thought it was a routine say that he should have made a routine catch maybe I'm being a little harsh there but um, I think he should have done better for the second Rapids goal and, and allegedly um, after speaking to the, the goalkeeper coach Stuart Kerr over the, the days after that uh, he lost his confidence a little bit um, and, and because they believe in him so much because they see him as a long-term goalkeeper at this football club. You've got to remember, he's only turned 24 a couple of days ago. And as we all know, for a goalkeeper, you can play until you're 38, 39, 40 sometimes if you look after yourself. So they see him as the goalkeeper for the future, for sure. And I don't think they wanted to put any unnecessary pressure on him at the moment. Now, the good thing for them is they had the, as Dan said, the luxury to be able to go and bring in an MLS-ready goalkeeper. I know for a fact he's an MLS-ready goalkeeper, um, I think we all do. We've, we've seen him over the course of the last couple of years mm-hmm. with LAFC and mm-hmm. his cameo appearances for Seattle Sounders and, and obviously throughout his short time at Minnesota. Um, and, and look, I, I can tell you now, I know for an absolute fact there were inquiries about his availability from other MLS teams because he's the number one goalkeeper in this league. And there were teams around Major League Soccer that were asking the question and they were saying, well, if you're not going to play him, we will. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think Minnesota United, I, I think they understood what they, they understand what they have. And in that situation where offers were coming in, they understood the situation. And they wanted to keep their goalkeeping area as, as strong and, and as competitive as possible. Um, they know Tyler Miller was, was frustrated that he didn't start the season as the number one goalkeeper. Um, I remember a, a story I heard from pre-season when um, it was the last pre-season game against Orlando City. 
and Adrian Heath had told the, the squad that the lineup he was going with was ultimately what he was going to be thinking moving forward for that opening game in Seattle. And of course, Dane St. Clair started that, uh, that game. And it was not met with too many positives from Tyler Miller. So, um, you know, the good thing is to have competition, right? That's one of the, the, the ultimate goals to have in any roster. But going even deeper into it and perhaps going back a further layer, the other thing you also want is the people to be to be competitive themselves individually, but also to be a little bit angry when they're not playing. And Adrian Heath made the point a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago rather, saying he feels as though prior to the two victories, his team weren't nasty enough. And and I would agree with that. I think they showed the Sounders a bit too much respect in the second half in particular. Um, and that that's not an Adrian Heath team at all. That that's not what he wants from his team. So um, ultimately, look, I, I think to answer the question, uh, Johnny, I, I know I've waffled on a little bit here. I, I think. Um, I think Tyler Miller is the number one going forward. But that doesn't mean we won't see Dane St. Clair again this season. Yeah. And I don't think it means that Dane St. Clair was bad, as you mentioned, bad to begin the season. I mean, you just needed to make a change, and Tyler Miller came in and played outstanding, make a bunch of key saves, especially in that Vancouver match where he was put on the spot a couple times, point-blank range, and he was able to make big stops. Um, so then moving forward in in the lineup here the defense they played a heck of a game against Dallas they made a couple they made a change to that back line against Dallas uh Yuka Raitala just needed a break after playing the Colorado and the Vancouver matches in steps uh Brent Coleman I think Chase Gasper moving from left to right across that line Chase Gasper had his best game of the season Brent Coleman had his best game of his two games that he's played. Michael Boxel and Roman Metinier both had their best games. Roman Metinier probably should have been higher up in the player of the week standings across the league because he played an outstanding game. But that back line stepped up big time uh, in both of these games. Yeah, they really did. And, and I think that everybody was concerned going in that, you know, uh, the, the left side was going to be vulnerable because Chase hasn't been performing as well as he could. And, and they were worried about... Uh, uh, Brent Coleman coming back in, and, and I think Cal clearly those two rose to the rose to the occasion, and you know yeah, that's kind of what Adrian was probably hoping that these two would would uh, they've been under the microscope and they've been criticized quite a bit, and they both stepped up and and kind of shut people up, and I, I think that's that's huge for this team because that's what they did last year. They had that back four was just unbelievable, almost all of you know coming out of Florida, they were just crazy good. Yeah, and, and as we've said before, chaps, on, on various different airwaves and what have you, there is an expectation now with this team. You have to be of a certain quality to play. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think Brent Coleman came in um, with, I, I would argue, with a little bit of a point to prove because um, against the Sounders, and let's be honest, it wasn't his best evening, was it, at all? And no. I think a couple of people questioned whether or not he could, he could do it at this level anymore, um, which I think is a bit of a harsh judgment after you know one game um but particularly when you get to the age of 30 um in in this game and, and in this league sometimes as well particularly if you've only played in this league as well sometimes when you when you get into your 30s um that question can be warranted but but i thought Brent coleman was outstanding um against dallas and and i'll sort of disagree slightly johnny i i thought um i thought michael boxall had his had his best game against vancouver actually i thought he was flawless against the white caps he was very very good against dallas as well i'm not saying he wasn't but um, I, I think um, also, by the way, um, Yuka Raitala 
now the eight different centre-back front that uh, Michael Boxall <laughs> has played alongside <laughs> for Minnesota United uh, since coming in uh, mid-2017. Um, so we, we all know where the solidity stems from, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, look, uh, I, I have full confidence in, in the back line, for sure. Um, and, and as we sort of insinuated a little earlier on, once Maki Divasi comes back in as well, it's only going to get stronger. And the good thing is for Adrian Heath is he knows that he has Yuka Raikula, who can play at left-back as well. In fact, it's probably his more preferred position left-back as opposed to centre-back. But again, that's an option they know they have. They can also bring in Brent Coleman again, who, who, as you said, yeah, I thought was very good. I thought the two full-backs were very good. I agree with, with both of you in the, in the sense that Chase Gasper had his, had his best game. And he needed it big time, didn't he? Because yeah. he, he was very indecisive. Um, he'd lost his confidence big time. And I think a couple of a couple of challenges here and there brought the confidence back, or at least an element of it. Um, I still don't think he's he's 100 percent from from what we've seen in the past. That 2019 campaign was wonderful for him, wasn't it? So I think if we get that Chase Gasper back, which it looks like, judging on the performance against Dallas, if we if we judge him on that, then hopefully he can continue to progress and be the left back we all know he can be. I think his his defense obviously was good against uh, Dallas, but I think his offense, that was his best offensive performance. His crosses were dangerous. He was making good passes when he got into the attacking third, which we hadn't seen at all in the first five games. And then he didn't make that the the really bad back pass to the goalkeeper that he'd made once in the previous five games. He made it once each in the previous five games. Um, so moving up the pitch a little bit, Hassani Dotson played all 180 minutes this week and looked good doing it. They've they really have decided with him, it seems like, that he's going to get on the pitch no matter what. It doesn't matter what position. They just want him on the field, and that's smart because he's good, he's talented, he's promising. Um, and they've almost molded that. It seems like they've molded that winger spot that he's playing into more like an inverted winger where he's not going to sit out wide in the attack. He's going to come inside and cause some trouble in there, and that seems to fit him a lot better than what he played uh, when he was playing just a true winger when he was out on the outside. That didn't seem to pl- play to his advantage or his skill set. Now that he's kind of that inverted winger, he plays a lot better, I think. I think that was all by design, too. I think that they felt that he needed to get comfortable someplace. He's a very mm-hmm. talented kid. He's only going to get better. The upside is huge for Hassani Dotson. And I think we saw that just him getting 180 minutes, Cal, at the same position. You could see. He was getting more comfortable and more comfortable. And, you know, it's tough. You know, there are some players in this league that can go from defensive back to a wing to a defensive mid. and But those are veterans, the guys that can do that and do that flawlessly. Hassani is, they were asking a lot of him what they were doing, and I think he's probably very comfortable right now. It says a lot about the individual when the coaching staff changed the complete complexion of a, of a certain role. <laughs> Um, just to fit you in the team, doesn't it? You know, they, they yeah. clearly be, they clearly feel very, very confident with Hassani Dotson, and, and as they should do as well. Um, we all know it's not his best role. We all know he's much more suited as a central midfielder. Uh, in my opinion, as, as an ace, as, a, as a, an out-and-out box-to-box midfielder who can, can do um, some really good things on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I think I've, I've said this to you chaps before. I, I think Hassani Dotson's the real deal. Um, by no means am I going to compare him to a, to a Tyler Adams or a Weston McKinney, but I think at some stage, I do think he's going to be a part of the next group that ends up making that move over to European football. 
whether that is Germany or France or England or what have you. You know, I, I, I can seriously see him making that jump at some stage, um, particularly because his contract is up over the course of the next couple of years as well. So um, he's got suitors for sure. I know there are people looking. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me over the, the course of of the next year or so if we, we do see some serious interest in him. But, but let's enjoy him whilst we have him now. Um, and I think, look, the, the, the main reason why Adrian has, has stuck Asani Dalton on that left-hand side is because at the moment that they don't really have too many other options. Um, and I know when they mm-hmm. started in, in Seattle on the left-hand side, the original plan, to my knowledge, was to start Nico Hansen out there, who, let's not forget, had a really, really good pre-season and everybody was impressed with mm-hmm. him. So, um, Sonny Dalton came in and he sort of made the, the role his own, really, because he's, he's not operating as a winger. He's actually, As you mentioned, uh, Jonathan, he, he operates as an inverted winger, really. And, and what that means is it, it, it gives Chase Gasper a lot more time on the ball when he's advancing. And, and having inverted wingers in this system, when you've got the fullbacks bombing up, it, it tends to work more than most. So, um, I, I think that the, more than anything, I think with Asani Dodson, it, it just once again proves that you can stick him just about anywhere and he'll do a job for you. And the good thing about him as well, lads, is that he doesn't complain. He gets on with it. He will go and study the position as well. He was asked, what was it? I was told he was asking Ethan Finlay about the position. He was asking Emmanuel Reynoso, what would you do here in, uh, in certain situations and what have you. He's just, he's a footballing sponge and he just wants to learn all the time so he, he's a wonderful uh, addition to the, to the football club and um, he's one of those players that wherever you put him even if you put him at centre half I, I'm not suggesting we do but um, <laughs> even if you did I, I seriously think I think he could do a job I really do yeah and I, I liked when they were in that four three three. They went to the four two three one for Dallas. When they were in that four three three with Reynoso and Dotson as the wingers, they weren't really operating as wingers. They were both kind of tucking inside at, with Robin Lloyd. So there was a lot of pressure on the opposing team's back lines as those three were just moving around. Each each player wasn't really staying put. They were all kind of rotating where they were at, and that really can that caused a lot of problems for the opposing defense. I want to ask a question here. That might seem weird, but just follow me here. The question is... From you. <laughs> you're used to weird questions, yes. Uh, the question is, did Emmanuel Reynoso officially make Minnesota United his team? It sounds weird coming off the playoff performance he had last year, but follow me here. Adrian Heath, we've heard a number of times in the press conferences this season say that he wants to see uh, Reynoso lead more. and be, And he does that on the pitch by just playing really extremely well. But he also wanted to see him uh, get involved and kind of will this team to win and drag this team to victory and drag it to success. On Saturday night, I started to see that finally. I started to see him as the game wore on, as they started to pile on the chances, I started to see him yell towards his team to push further, push harder, push more, and get more upfield and give him more chances. I, f- I started to see that for the first time. So the question stands, did Emmanuel Reynoso officially make this his team? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question and I, I don't know that I don't know that I can say yes he did, but I think Cal it, it kind of depends on what's going on in the locker room, something that we don't have, you know, ability to see what's happening in the locker because because if you're going to say this is this is his team that's not just on the pitch it's also mm-hmm. what's going on on the bench it's what's going on in the locker room you know is he that much of a leader because i mean 
what do you think, Cal? I just I'm not I'm not quite sure he's quite demanded quite the presence of a Michael Boxel in the in the in the clubhouse, uh, and I think. To, to be to say this is his team, I think you have to have it's got to be the full the full deal, you know everything. Well, first of all, Johnny Harrison, it's probably the most thought provoking question you've ever asked. Um, <laughs> and it only um, took four years. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean that in in, in, in in all seriousness, it's a sensational question. Um, well, thank you. And I um, at the moment. I, I would, I would probably, I would probably just about say yes, because Adrian Heath said earlier on in the season when things weren't going so well that he needs more from Reynoso. There's a reason why he's here. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately the plan long term was was this to be Reynoso's team. When the pitch first came to him when he was at Boca Juniors, that was the pitch. This is going to be your team. You're going to be the man, the star. And there's a reason why he's wearing number ten. Number ten, obviously, is a wearing number ten is a, a, a big deal wherever you are in world football. But but it's 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 huge in Argentina because of the significance of it, because of Diego Maradona, because of Lionel Messi, and um, uh, Raquel May as well. There's, there's several number tens that have operated through Argentina that have been absolutely beyond world class, um, and um, that there is a significance with with wearing number ten. So I was told by Mark Watson when um, he went down and made that original pitch to Reynoso, and he said you're going to we were in number 10 you're going to be the main man he started to cry because it meant so much to him because the idea was this was going to be his team so I think that's the long term goal and I wonder now are we are we really starting to see the first bits of evidence of that because he is settled he's had time now to to understand the culture in the United States and the differences um, you know um, between and how to operate both on and off the fields. Um, it takes time for, for foreign players to sometimes get used to Major League Soccer as well. You know, there are a lot of similarities between the Argentine era and Major League Soccer, but there are subtle differences as well. Um, so I think, um, I, I would say yes. And the reason why I would say yes in week five of Major League Soccer, as opposed to week two or three, um, I don't necessarily think it's it's much to do with him, to be honest. I think I'm... I've certainly spoken to both of you about this off, off air for, for sure, but the issue in the opening couple of weeks was that Reynoso was picking the ball up far too deep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was because of, of his own ideas and what he wanted to do, and he always wants the ball up deep, doesn't he? You can always see he's pleading for the pass a lot, um, which, which is great. You know, if you want someone on the ball, you want him on the ball for sure if you're a Minnesota United fan or associated with the club. Um, but a, a lot of it, I think, was um, not, not necessarily what we wanted to see in the opening uh, four weeks because um, the high press wasn't as effective as Minnesota wanted it to be and obviously when they press high Reynoso and they press as a unit Reynoso joins with that unit not necessarily being a major a major um, a major proposition or a, a major part of, of the initial press but he's certainly involved um, and, and the ball would more often than not when Minnesota executed it well it would find the feet of Reynoso at the very deepest midway through the opposing half. That's where you want him on the ball. And of course, you'd like him closer to the goal as well, but that's ideally where you want him on the ball because he can create stuff. Emmanuel Reynoso does not necessarily... Um, he does not necessarily play his best football when he is deeper, in my opinion. 
and the issue is, is I haven't got the stats in front of me, guys, but but I, I, I saw a couple of numbers over the course of the last few days, and um, and I know Reynoso, unsurprisingly, is the player who loses the ball the most for Minnesota United, which which you're okay with because he's the one who's going to be creating things and trying things, right? You're okay with that happening when he's higher up the field, but the issue has been when he loses it midway through the Minnesota United half, much deeper than, than where you would want him, the fullbacks right. have already bombed forward. They've already tried to push forward to get involved in the attack because they, they're expecting, if not a direct pass from Reynoso, perhaps a secondary pass from somebody. If Reynoso loses the ball then midway through the Minnesota half, instantly the four players behind him are under severe pressure, and it's really killed Minnesota. If you go back to the game <laughs> against Austin, that's exactly what happened, and the ball came into the right-hand side because Gaston was so far up the field. If you go back... To the second goal against Real Salt Lake that they conceded exact same thing um, and then I believe we, it was it, Cal if uh, we wanted the, that we would have just uh, we would have just kept Ibsen <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah exactly but you know there was another one as well I think it was when uh, Follow Mettenier was part of the field it may have even been the Sounders game I can't remember but but it, it happened because Reynoso was, was giving the ball away a lot deeper than you would have wanted him to not necessarily his fault but now, because I thought they, they executed the high press quite well against FC Dallas, um, and, and they did it okay against Vancouver as well, but, but certainly they, they did it very well against Dallas, um, I, I think now there's perhaps the opportunity, Jonathan, to suggest that maybe now we can start to perhaps think that the opportunity is there to say that this could be Reynolds' yeah. team. I'm going to say yes just about but I think we'll really see that over the course of the next few months. Yeah. yeah. I think that was, Absolutely. as you mentioned, that was the plan going in, and it's it's good to see that coming to fruition. And um, another guy who's played remarkably well this season, who's not getting, I think, the credit he deserves, is Robin Lud. He continues to be outside of Emmanuel Reynoso, this team's best player. And personally, I love seeing it after the rough start he had to his tenure with the Loons, came on strong last year, and then has only continued that uh, score, or had the assist in uh, against Vancouver, and then scored the winner on against uh, Dallas. I think he's been playing remarkably well, and he's besides Emmanuel Reynoso, he's probably first on that, on the team sheet every every week. Yeah, and you know, here's a guy that's done everything that's been asked of him, playing out of position, um, and all he has done is continue to get better and better every time he gets on the pitch. And I don't know if we've seen, you know, his. The, I don't know if we've seen the limit to what Robin Lode can do. But I got to tell you, Cal, it, it's get the point now where he's one of those players where when he gets the ball uh, on his feet anywhere inside the 18, you get kind of excited. An excellent point, Dan. The fact that we we've yet to really see Robin Lord at a hundred percent because over the last couple of months for the team, he's been playing in the false nine, which he he does um, amicably and, and and admirably. I would I would argue um, yeah. he does it quite well, but um, it's not his natural position. His natural position is a wide area. Um, I think we we've all seen preferably with him on the right hand side, tucking in on that favoured left foot of his. Um, and he can play in the 10 as well he's done it for the Finland national team I am interested to see where Finland play him during the European Championships as well I have a feeling it could be at the 10 which could again propose something else for, for Minnesota United moving forward but um, he, he's been wonderful involved in, in four of Minnesota United's five goals um, and is, is I would argue yeah I, I would agree with you in the sense that he's one of the first names on the team sheet because he gives you so much and 
Um, I thought the cross for, for Ramon Avila's goal was, was stupendous. I, I thought he picked him out superbly. Um, yeah. And then the, the, the Dallas goal, he, he showed wonderful instinct in front of goal to, to be in the right place at the right time. So um, I know he's worked on it a lot. He's worked on the false time position a lot because I think as soon as as soon as it became obvious that there were issues at Test 4 from Minnesota this year in terms of Raman Abila not coming in, uh, being fully fit, Juan Agudelo's had one or two little niggles. Uh, Foster Langsdorf um, had, had a bit of a, a, a sticky patch in terms of confidence as well in training. I think when it became obvious uh, that again he would be utilised as a, as a false nine. Uh, he stayed behind and he was practising with people. I know Ian Fuller, the assistant manager of Minnesota, has worked with him tirelessly. Adrian Heath has, has certainly played his part as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it again, it presents such an opportunity for Minnesota United to have Robin Lord, who, who is so versatile, who can play in so many different positions. Um, and and uh, much like Asani Dodson, as we said earlier on, I get the feeling he's one of these players that wherever you put him, he's going to do a job. I've even seen him play in, in the centre of midfield for Finland before as well. So, I mean, he can do a job in, in a lot of different areas. Uh, um, but so far, so good in terms of the false nine. Um, but yeah. I think um, moving forwards, I think we are more than likely going to see him situated on that right-hand side of that three behind the forwards. Dan, how much was that goal for Robin Lode against FC Dallas? How much was that just one of those scrappy hockey goals that we see all the time in the NHL? Well, you know, it's like Cal said, you can people can look at that and go, ah, you know, he just got lucky. But you know what? Good players mm-hmm. put themselves in the position to make things happen. And whatever instincts that, you know, Robin Lode had, he was he put himself in the right spot. He could have been two feet to the right, two feet back, two feet left. He doesn't convert that. He was in the right spot. And, you know, that's a veteran player. There's a guy that knows his way around and and those are the guys you lean on and and you know, it was it pretty? No. I think it went uh, bounced off the goaltender before it went in even. <laughs> so no, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a you know, a big bend it wasn't a big bending shot from twenty yards out, but it didn't matter to the 4,000 people at Allianz and, and to everybody involved. So, yeah, you got to have guys like that. you got to have guys that, yeah. that know how to get into the ugly spaces and know how to find themselves, uh, put themselves in positions to, to score goals. And, and he showed he can do that. So, Yeah, a guy who knows how to uh, find a nice space uh, in the opponent's boxes, Ramon Abela. Uh, that's, we saw exactly what he's going to bring to this team with that goal. Um, with that nice header, but he also had another another couple nice plays in that Vancouver game where he would make a darting run and then just stop and come back into the open space that was just vacated by the by the Vancouver defenders. Cal, that that's kind of what you said when when he was signed that Ramon Abela, that's what his game is going to be. It's not going to be exactly what uh, Adrian Heath wants full time out of that position, but that's what he's going to bring you. And if he can do that a number of times a season, you're getting your money's worth out of him. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, let's let's not walk on the eggshells, shall we, Johnny? I mean, I've been very critical of the signing <laughs> yeah. of Ramon Abelard. I didn't think yes. it was the right deal at all. <laughs> um, and, and, and simply because of the way that Adrian Heath likes to conduct his, his operation and the way that he wants his team to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've seen, and, and, and as you mentioned, what I, what I did say, is where he is very good is in those tight spaces and inside the penalty area. You don't just score 39 goals in 51 starts for Boca Juniors and be an over you know, the right. goal-scoring ratio is very, very good in, in, in one of the, the, if not the biggest team in South America. Um, and uh, I hope there's no River Plate fans listening after me saying that. Um, and um, 
I, um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I understand why he was brought in. I really do. Um, and, and I think now it, it's interesting to, to see because because of the goal against Vancouver, I think um, there are certainly more teams in Major League Soccer now that will be fully aware of him. And I'm not saying that they weren't aware of him before. As I said, he was obviously scoring a lot of goals in Argentina. He would have had people looking before. But, but it's very different having somebody be aware of you in a different scenario. And, and now people can, can understand that he's actually transitioned quite well into Major League Soccer in terms of what he's offered so far. Um, and and I, I, I certainly thought, when he came on, I thought FC Dallas looked incredibly fearful of him, actually, because they were aware of what he'd done. And they were, no doubt, they would have watched tape on him as well. And, and like I said, not, not for one second am I suggesting Luchi Gonzalez didn't know who he was or hadn't looked at tape at him before. But seeing him in this setting... It's a very different environment to, to that that would have seen him in previously at Boca Juniors. And um, I, I thought Dallas looked incredibly nervous when he came on. And there were one or two touches that he had, like you said. Um, and, and you could tell that one or two defenders bit when he, he checked inside and then brought it back in. Um, and, and so I think what, what Minnesota have done right now is I think they have found the perfect role for Ramon Abel. I'm not sure he will be happy with the role, but, but I think his role... For, for a while now will be when Minnesota United are in need of a goal and there is you know 30-25 minutes left bring him on bring him on and he will cause a problem because he will be so different to anything else he'll be very different to what Unu will offer he'll be very different to what Robin Lurd and Juan Agadello and Foster Langsdorf had to offer as well so um, I think that's going to be his role moving forward um, but, but also what I really liked is, is how smart he was in tight spaces, and again, this is what we've said in the past. The goal against Vancouver, I thought, was was vintage Ramon Avila. And when the ball came in from Robin Lord, if you go back and watch it, you can see him just take a little half step to get away from, I think it was Cornelius who was ahead of him, um, and step in between the two centre-halves. There's, there's not many that can be as instinctive as that in front of goal, um, and to be as calm as that in front of goal. So... Um, I think Ramon Abel ultimately will end up being a very good signing for this team and like I said if he comes on and does that for another seven or eight times this season what he did against Vancouver great no problem whatsoever I do wonder though and, and not to be negative about it but I, I do wonder if it warrants the one million dollars that the team are paying for him in terms of salary and if it warrants getting him in on a permanent basis at the end of the season. That's where I would perhaps pump the brakes a little bit. But from a positive point of view, Minnesota have him for the rest of the season and they know damn well that when they need a goal, they can put him on, on the field mm -hmm. and there will be a lot of issues for the opposing back line. Yeah. Right. All right, so we've spent 40 minutes being pretty dang positive about these two wins. So I want to reel it back just a little bit. I'm not going to go super negative here, but I know... We're being pretty positive about these two wins because they were huge wins. We were, they were much needed. But with the way that Vancouver and Dallas played, Vancouver sitting back a lot, not having a whole lot of the ball, Dallas having a lot of the ball, but basically being in their own third because Minnesota kept pressing the ball away from them, Are we? should we be a little bit more concerned that those two teams were allowed to hang around for as long as they were? Uh, you are negative. Why do you have to be that way? <laughs> We're trying to celebrate a couple of big wins, and and right away you got to drag it. Um, right away, forty minutes you know, in. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm going to think specifically about the Dallas um, match, and it's not that 
We let him hang around. What was it? Twenty-seven shots. Is that what the number yeah. was? Which is just twenty-seven. Ridiculous. I think seven. And and if you look at those shots, yeah, they shot some over the top. Some went wide, but a huge number of those shots were blocked by the defense. In tight, there were a lot of balls that didn't get through, and. Do I know that they would have been on goal on the mark? I don't know. But they were in areas where you'd expect a player to put it on goal. So, I mean, Dallas did some things right to stay in that match. It's not as though they just didn't show up. I mean, they dominated possession time for, for the first half, and they did they did a lot of things correct and kept it close. Um, yeah, in a, in a, in a, if, they, if they take attempt 27 shots on a regular basis – there's going to be nights they're going to win 3-0, 4-0, and they're going to have those nights. But, you know, that, this, is, this is football. This is, this, is, this is what happens. You don't always get the goals, and that's why goals are at such a premium. And, and, and I think that, you know, I don't know. I just – and, Cal, I don't know. I guess I'm curious what you think. I just don't think it really matters whether you, you get the – especially when you're on four, I don't think you care whether you win 1-0 or 3-0. It doesn't matter. You just got to win. Just win, just win. And, and but, but like I said earlier on, I do think the way that Minnesota won will certainly help them psychologically in, in both games, that is. Um, I don't know, Johnny. I think um, I, I think there's obviously an issue against uh, counter-pressing teams, against um, transition teams um, that particularly move through the middle of the park. I, the one area where I thought Dallas got it very, very wrong was... I thought they played Andreas Ricalte far too uh, high up the field. I actually, any time that I saw any sort of danger from them was when Ricalte, the number 10, was dropping a little deeper and was actually able to ping these lovely diagonal balls because, remember, they played a 3-5-2 and they did play with the, the wing-back, essentially, and that was where I think a lot of the, the service was supposed to come from. But they very rarely got the ball out to those wing-backs at all. And um, uh, I, I think a lot of that is because... Um, they didn't get the ball to them. And I think a lot of it is, is uh, again, because they, they didn't get the ball into the feet of Ricalte deep enough, in my opinion. In fact, they had him in this 10-roll, um, which he can do, no doubt. Um, but I, I don't think he had the, the forwards ahead of him to really warrant him in that role. Uh, I thought he would have been best served a little deeper. Um, I lost count. I don't know about you chaps. I lost count the amount of times Frank O'Hara was offside. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it, it just, <laughs> It, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> no. Because obviously it wasn't going to no. work. Um, no, I, and, I thought they and, probably had to take him in at halftime and draw it up for him so he could see what he was doing wrong. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, it was strange. You, yeah, you'd be furious if you were Luchi Gonzalez, wouldn't you? You would be absolutely... Yes. It's one of them, isn't it, where you put him in the corner and go, look... Stop being offside. They needed needed the offside line from from British... They needed the offside line from the Premier League VAR. Just following him around the entire time. (laughs) Don't go past this line. (laughs) (laughs) No, but look, I mean, I I think against the counter-pressing teams that there are issues for sure. Um, And I think Adrian managed it quite well with with both fullbacks this game against Dallas. and I thought he did a good job against Vancouver as well, having having the two players in, in Alonso and Trapp being the two sitting players, um, because that that's their role. That's what they're going to do, and it gives you a little bit more protection if the fullbacks do go. Um, but but as I said earlier on, it it, it has harmed them in the past. Um, but also, um, Jonathan, what, what I thought was really good is Minnesota themselves played a high line from time to time as well, and there's a reason why um, 
why uh, O'Brien was, was offside as many times as he was as well, because he was the one who you were expecting to play off the shoulder and, um, and, and get in behind um, with, with a, a single solitary touch. Um, and he would have been away from, from Michael Boxall and, and Brent Coleman, who, let's be honest, you know, they've got many qualities, but pace, I don't think, is one of them. Um, and having, having said that, Michael Boxall is a lot faster than people give him credit for. But, yeah. but going up against somebody like, yeah. um, like Hader O'Brien, you know, it's difficult. And, um, you know, so I, I thought they were, they were, they were organised defensively, and, and I thought the, the high line that they did press onto um, gave Dallas a, a lot of problems. And, Certainly, Frank O'Hara as well couldn't quite figure it out, could he? So, um, you know, I, I think it's okay, Jonathan. I think once they um, once they they operate in that sort of environment and setting again, um, you know, whether that comes against a team like a Sporting Kansas City who can also transition quite well, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But um, I, I I think it'll be um, simply it will be against opponent basis I think in terms of how the back line operate moving forward but but, but ultimately I think they're okay yeah alright so we spent 45-ish minutes talking about uh, some pretty positive things about Minnesota United for the first time all season it's been fun doing that let's take a quick look around the league here um, as we oh, check out, out some of the time scores. out time out yeah. we have to talk about one thing first uh oh I had to go back and look up the handball rule for the third time this year. <laughs> okay? So somebody help me. Cal, I'm looking at you. I look at the, <laughs> Good luck, I read Cal. the rule. I read the rule. I watch the replay. And I don't understand how this can go to the VARF. He watched it probably multiple times. I, I don't understand how that was not a handball. I'm, I'm baffled by this. Um. I, I think baffled is probably the most polite word possible there, isn't it, Dan? Um, it, it, was, um, it was about as bizarre a call as they come, in my opinion, because as soon as we saw the replay, we thought handball straight away. Because his, yeah. I understand his hand is yeah. low. Matt Hedges' hand is low. I get that. But it, it's outstretched. It's not, in, in my opinion, what you would consider a natural position. Um, and I know there's plenty of counter arguments towards that. You know, when you when you kick a soccer ball, your arms are out and whatnot. But but when when you don't have the ball, I understand the, the balance argument. But it, I, I don't think it's a natural position. And, and and the biggest thing for me here, guys, is when it was clipped through. I think was it Will Trafford played the ball through? Um, yes, it was. When it's when it's clipped through, um, had it not have struck the hands of Matt Hedges, it falls straight into the path of Ramon Avila. Now. Yeah. To my understanding, if the flight path is impeded by a hand, that's handball. And I was absolutely yeah, yeah. certain when they mm-hmm. went to the monitor, they were going to give it. And I was, my, my jaw hit the ground when they said <laughs> no penalty. I couldn't believe uh, it. No. We all, we all had that same reaction. It was just I was sure we were going to the penalty spot. And, um, it was, and I guess this is something that uh, – the MLS has to has to work on because the reason why you have VAR is to get it right. And if you've got people, and I don't consider myself, but people like you, Cal, that have been calling soccer virtually since you were a, a wee lad, and you've all over the world, and you've played. I mean, this should not be this difficult. And the MLS has to get that figured out because you've got experienced soccer people that are struggling to understand it. That's a problem. 
yeah, I think people are overthinking it now, if I'm being totally mm. honest. Yeah. We, we go on these, these league meetings about VAR. We go on these, um, these pro-referee assignment um, calls and, and we have these tapes that they show us. And, and a lot of the times, you know, I, I keep quiet and professional, but a lot of the times I just want to be guys, but we are overthinking this so much. It's a handball. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, I know it's, it's, it's not exactly black and white handball anymore, but um, if it gets any grayer, I think I'm going to have some serious issues. Handball is to soccer what a catch is to the NFL, apparently. These, never thought stages. it should be confusing, but whatever. All right, I, feel, I, I don't know that I feel any better, but thanks for trying. <laughs> All right, so let's take a quick look at some of the, uh, the stories coming out of the league this week. Uh, Seattle just keeps rolling a 2-0 effort again, or for them against LAFC. LAFC sit, uh, surprisingly, bottom of the Western Conference. Question here for the room, is Bob Bradley in trouble? I know it's early in the season, but there's a lot of expectations. They haven't won a trophy yet. They were pretty close to winning the CONCACAF Champions League back in December, but still, they still haven't won anything yet. Um, Is he in trouble? Well, I, I would say on the surface, no, but maybe, Cal, you have a little bit better uh, feel of what the uh, the talks are around the league on, on that situation. Um, but, I, you know, it seems too early to be talking that way, but maybe maybe you've heard different. No, I, I agree with you completely, Mr. Serhard. It's, I think it's too early. Um, and people in, in, in all walks of sport, but, but particularly this one, um, <laughs> I think people have a shorter memory uh, than, than any other um, mm-hmm. in terms of sports because look at what Bob Bradley's done with LAFC let's not forget they came in the year after Minnesota United as well they've made the playoffs yeah. every single year they reached the CONCACAF Champions League uh, semi-finals now, they are a legitimate team now I understand what people are saying in terms of they look very different without Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela I understand that but I think Juventus look a little different without Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I, I, I think Barcelona look a little different without Lionel Messi. So um, it, it's going to happen, right? It, it, it's just going to happen. But um, I think it's far too early to, to even think of, of suggesting that. Um, I really believe that um, LAFC will pick it up. I really think that. And um, not much has changed with their roster. Not much has changed at all. They've had one or two tweaks defensively. Um, and and I, the only area where I think they could perhaps do with a, a little improvement is the goalkeeping situation. Because I'm not convinced Cisniega is, is the number one moving forward for them. Um, and, and I'm saying this with knowledge, knowing they are asking around as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But um, I, think they're, I think they're fine. I really do. And, and, and I think ultimately they'll, they'll make the playoffs again. I think they're too good, Jonathan. I think I'm I heard that- whether- I think I heard one of their fans in the background there just a moment ago. <laughs> is that coming I through? That was, I hope that was coming from your house. <laughs> there's, not, yes. there's not supposed to be any babies in my house. <laughs> I think that was. I was really hoping that wouldn't come through. I didn't know if that would. <laughs> I can't shut the door because then my cat would like be pounding at it, pounding at the door to get in, and you hear that. So a lot of issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> A guy who's not uh, fearful for his job in L.A. is uh, Greg Vanny, who's gotten off to a hot start with the Galaxy. It's also really helped out by Chicharito scoring buckets of goals for them. He is back in form for them. Your guys' thoughts on L.A.'s, the L.A. Galaxy's start to the season. I love Chicharito, former Manchester United player. I just love his redemption story this season. 
you seem to be in love with whoever plays that position for the LA Galaxy. What is it? Uh, come on, when it's a former Lakers? Manchester United player, I'm going to get excited. Man, the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I can uh, go get the Zlatan jersey if you want. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's close by. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know what? When you have a truly dynamic striker. Hey, life's good. It's like having the best quarterback in the NFL, or you know, it, it's it's huge, and and you can see why Minnesota fans are a little frustrated because they want they want that dominant number nine that scores goals all the time, and they've never really they've never had it, and so yeah, that's what a that's what a great number nine does. But the problem is there aren't enough of those to go around. There's only a few. And you know, if every team had one, that'd be really cool. But you got to find one, and, and you got to find one. You got to get them here, and you got to keep them here. So you know, good for them. They found a guy, but they're they're hard to find. They're very hard to find. Yeah, they are. They are a dime a dozen, and um, and they often come at a hefty price tag. As That's well. right. So, yeah. um, uh, I mean, I, I think do you know what? Isn't it ironic? I think the closest Minnesota United have come to having. Uh, a what we would consider a natural goal scorer was in 2017 when Christian Romero has got 14 goals in an expansion team by the way that's, mm-hmm. that's a very right. very good return for a, a first year team um, and obviously he left for, for various different reasons which we don't need to go into but um, I, I would agree that there's, it's obviously a, a frustrating part for Minnesota United hopefully uh, Adrian Unu can come in and, and solve that issue and, and maybe uh, Ramon Abila can, can be a part of that story as well but but I think Greg Vanny has done such a wonderful job with them Jonathan I'm not surprised at all to be honest because he did a wonderful job at Toronto FC my, mm-hmm. my only concern for, for Greg Vanny when he first got the job was are they going to give him enough time because that's exactly what Toronto did and look how that worked yeah, out so, absolutely um, you know I, I think they are they are wonderful they're easy on the eye um, and, and, and quite rightly so, all the headlines are going to Javier Hernandez right now. But let's let's not dismiss the efforts of Victor Vasquez either, who, of, of course, Greg Vanny had at Toronto FC before he ended up going up elsewhere on, a, on a, um, an Asian escapade uh, and a South American escapade before coming back to, to Major League Soccer. And um, um, I think Victor Vasquez has, has provided so many of the passes for, for Hernandez. And, you know, Javier Hernandez is just one of these players who he just needs half a yard and he can finish. But... You know, it's all good having one of those players. If you haven't got a player that can get the ball into his feet, then you've got an issue. Um, LAFC don't have that yeah. issue. And I think this... I'm not going to say they're going to be back to the LA Galaxy that we know, but just getting back into the playoffs for them will, will be viewed as progression. And uh, I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the campaign goes for them. All right. You guys want to get to write that down? Yes. Can't you wait. Got your, you, you each got your predictions here? I got them. All right. Let's <clears> bring in... The rules here, three soccer-related predictions here on Write That Down. At least one of them has to be Minnesota United-related. We will keep track of correct predictions. We'll call them goals throughout the year and the most goals at the end of the year. Rightly gets the golden boot. Still no trophy yet, but we'll figure that out. So a quick accountability session before we get things started. The listeners, they had two come off the board. Uh, Nick D., a friend of AJ's, one of our producers over at Score North, sent him a couple. Uh, 
he said Adrian Heath would be fired or resign if they lose on Wednesday. Well, they didn't lose on Wednesday, and Adrian Heath is still in the job, so that one's done. Uh, he also said Dane St. Clair will lose his starting job by Saturday if the Loons lose on Wednesday. Well, Dane St. Clair wasn't the starting goalkeeper on Wednesday, so that one already was lost for, for Nick D. Nick needs some sunshine in his life or needs to do yoga or something. He's very <laughs> negative, negative young man. Yeah. Wasn't good for, for the listeners. Wasn't Still hasn't been good for me. Uh, I said Emmanuel Reynoso would be involved in at least three goals in the next two games, either a goal or MLS registered assist. He did not do that, unfortunately. Johnny, Johnny. Dan, you're flying high here, though. I'm, you picking, said, I'm going for the slam dunks. You said Minnesota will get a goal from a true number nine in the month of May. Uh, I think Ramon Abla is considered a true number nine. Absolutely we, is, yeah. Yeah. I think so. You get that and one, that, and then you. And by the way, that was no gimme. I mean, there was a chance a true number nine wasn't going to play in the month of May. So <laughs> yeah, that's that true. Was, that was not a gimme. And then you also said Minnesota will get a win this weekend, which, looking back on it, was very specific because you said this weekend, referring. Mm-hmm. But you, listening back to the audio, you mentioned that they would have gotten a win in either of the games. But then you said this weekend, so you referred to okay. Dallas. Yes. So you got lucky there a little bit. Nah. But you did say you did say last week that road teams will win at least three of the games on Wednesday. They won two. Ah, so I thought I had that one too. That was close. You were close. <laughs> All right. So then our our uh, records for this season. I'm still on zero goals. Dan, you have three, and you have three correct out of six that have come uh, true or have have. Uh, I guess have happened so far. So you're fifty percent right now this season. Cal, you're our first guest, and uh, listeners, I forgot to update yours. You were on zero goals as well. So, Cal, I will let you start here for Write That Down. So, I think Minnesota United, um, after, and this this will take some time to assess and address, after the European Championships and the Copa America and Gold Cup, what have you, I'm going to predict Minnesota United will be in the top six in the Western Conference. At, w- at what point? After what? After the... After the Euros, let's go with. Oh, okay. After the European okay. Championships. Okay. All right. Which is a bold statement, like by the way, because let's not forget, Minnesota are going to be without several of their European players. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. They'll be without Robin Lud, one of their best players, so yeah. All right, Dan? I like it. Write that down. All right, so... Um, we all know Minnesota started 0-4, mm-hmm. well-documented, well-discussed. Now they've won two in a row. I am telling you that they will win two more in a row, and they'll even themselves at 4-4. Four and four. So write that down. I like it. Confidence. All right. I will start off with my Loons prediction. Just because I need a goal here at some point, I'm going to go with the simple one. The Loons will win at RSL. I'm going to take a page from Dan's book here. I'm just right. going to go simple. They will win. Not this weekend, obviously, because they don't play, but next weekend when they play at RSL, they will get a win out at Salt Lake. Sometimes Write that down. Got it. Sometimes you got to just go for the easy one. I just need a, I need, <laughs> I need a bunt in, in baseball parlance. All right, Cal, you're up with uh, – write that down, prediction number two for you. The next game against Real Salt Lake, there will be a goal scored by a debutante. Ooh. Right back down. Wow. Nice. For Minnesota or just a debutante on either side? To make it interesting, let's say just Minnesota. 
Okay. Right. I like, I like it. it. Getting yeah, specific. I, it <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Dan? All right. L.A. versus Portland on Saturday. And I'm just getting in your face on this one, Jonathan. <laughs> Chicharito scores a hat trick? Chicharito will not score a goal. Oh, come on. Or get an assist on Saturday. You're just wrong. Wow. Your boyfriend will get shut out. <laughs> You're just wrong. Chicharito. Chicharito hat trick. Nope, nothing. <laughs> Zero. You know what? I'm doing it. I know I shouldn't. Write this down. Chicharito will score a hat trick against Portland at the weekend. <laughs> oh, I work. Now you're just letting your emotions. Now you're just doing yeah. dumb emotional things. Yep. Jeez. Chicharito hat trick. Right. Portland, write right. that down. All right. Cal, your third wow. and final one. Man. Okay. And so, so forgive my, my uh, naivety here, Jonathan. I, I was slightly confused with the rules in these texts earlier on. So, so this is now what I do, one that is not Minnesota United-based, correct? It can be any. If you want to do three Minnesota-based ones, you can. Otherwise, just soccer-related. Okay. Um, so this is going off the beaten path a little bit, I think. Um, but we'll, we'll go with it. I don't know if you guys have heard about this story. So um, we all know the, the, the two teams, Boca Juniors and River Plate. They, they played each other on Sunday in Argentina. It's the, it's the biggest game in Argentina. River Plate were without the majority of their first team because of many, many positive COVID cases. Um, that has continued. And they play a game on Wednesday in the Copa Libertadores against Independiente de Santa Fe. And at the moment, it is being suggested that a defender will have to play in goal for them. What? On Wednesday evening, <laughs> on Wednesday evening in the Libertadores, which is the premier wow. competition in South America. Wow. Now, this is wild. Only does this happen in Conmebo, by the way. This is crazy. <laughs> so, Not even they, CONCACAF uh, is willing to go this far. No. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, at the moment, last I checked, that may very well have changed since we started recording this. They have nine players available. <laughs> they can still, they can still technically play the game if they have seven players available. So, my prediction wow. is the game goes ahead and they don't start with eleven players. Wow, <laughs> that's bizarre. I would like to watch that. Yeah, that would be crazy. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. All right, we'll write that down. Yeah. They're on fault as well. It's crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. All All right, right, Dan, you're up. I'm going to go further off the beaten path. In the uh, Minnesota Amateur Soccer League Division One, on uh, Sunday, FC Minnesota will defeat Lions FC at Hazelwood Park. Okay. Write that down. Where did this come from? I'm a big fan of the uh, MASL. Okay. And Hazelwood Park. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Going back to uh, my Manchester United fandom, Juan Mata, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the head coach of Manchester United, the manager there, said that it's up to him to decide his future. Uh, He has not been a regular starter in quite a while for the club. I am a huge fan of Juan Mata. He's a little bit on the older side, but... I say that after his Manchester United career comes to an end, Juan Mata will play in the MLS. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know when. I, I hope for this summer because I, I would love to see uh, him come okay. over here this summer. But I say that after his Manchester United career comes to an end, he will play in the MLS. It, it, okay. It's an interesting proposition, Jonathan, because I know for a fact he was offered a contract over here two years ago. 
and he opted to stay with Manchester United, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also offered major money in China as well. So uh, I think it's going to be up to him, isn't it, really, in terms of where, where he wants to finish his career, where he wants the next step of it to, to be. Um, I, I think we would all certainly hope it would be Major League Soccer because it would improve the, le- the league. But um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's just some, um, there's some really intriguing propositions across world football now. And mm-hmm. a lot of these leagues um, that, that haven't necessarily been relevant across the world in the past really want to start becoming more relevant. And the best way to do that is signing global superstars. Obviously, one matter is a global superstar. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time. And when he came to Manchester United, when Chelsea decided to sell him for some dumb reason, I was super excited to finally see him on a team I cheer for. Um, so since, since uh, there's no game for Minnesota this weekend, we're, se- we're going to introduce a new segment because obviously we won't be watching Minnesota United this weekend. I'm calling it what we're watching. We can change the name later if we want to, if we don't like the very generic title. Um, basically, oh, well, let's, let's leave it. You put a lot of thought into that, I can tell. <laughs> I worked hard on that title in the graphic here. <laughs> All right, so basically the premise is we're each going to choose a game or two games, one MLS game and then one non-MLS match that we will be watching this upcoming week instead of of watching our beloved Minnesota United. So uh, since you're the guest, Cal, I'll let you go first here again. So let's start off with uh, the MLS games we're watching this weekend. Okay, so the MLS game I'm going to be watching this weekend because I think it's going to be very, very tasty. I think it's going to be Orlando City against Toronto FC. And, and the reason for that is, well, there's a myriad of reasons as to why, but I think it's going to be a very, very good game back and forth. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the Brazilian, uh, the Venezuelan, the biggest pardon, uh, Jefferson Soteldo at Toronto FC. Um, I think he may have his his, um, uh, his first real introduction into the league in terms of I think he's going to do well and perhaps score a goal, maybe even grab an assist. Um, Toronto, although this is an away game for them, they're based in Orlando. So it's not right. really. There are home comforts there for them. Um, and... I'm also watching the storyline here, chaps. Wouldn't it be amazing, regardless of what you think of the individual, from, from a journalistic and editorial point of view, from a from, from pure selfish point of view, from our point of view here, wouldn't it be amazing if Dom Dwyer scored at Orlando for Toronto? <laughs> yes. yes. That really. would be that's amazing. Why I'm that. Yes. Yeah, that's why I'm watching that game. That's yes, a solid pick. Yeah. I like it. Well, it was a no-brainer for me. I'm going to watch uh, Dallas and Real Salt Lake because I like constant flopping, and I think there's a really good chance that we get we get 90 minutes of that. And uh, so, and it's our last opponent and our next two opponents. So, um, for my selfish purposes of preparing for upcoming matches, watching that will just be uh, will be a bonus. And and I'm sure you do the same thing, Cal, when you can watch a team that we're going to play soon it's always it's always a bonus so that's the one i'm tuning into for me it is lafc versus colorado colorado are remarkably hot right now three wins in a row going into this one they're climbing up the western conference and as we mentioned earlier lafc are on the bottom of the western conference and hasn't been the start to the season that they would wanted they would have wanted so i want to see how they turn things around against a really good it seems colorado team that is just on fire at the moment Yep. Some yeah. good right. ones this weekend, Fair. yeah. Both made a win for different reasons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then our non-MLS games. Cal? Well, I sort of mentioned it earlier on, didn't I, that that <laughs> potential of, of complete and 
utter carnage in the Commonwealth Libertadores where River Plate may not even be able to field 11 players. I'll certainly be watching that. But, but to, to mix it up a little bit, um, I'll, I'll stick with the Libertadores here, Jonathan, and go with that. I'm really looking forward to watching Palmeiras, um, the uh, current Libertadores champions against Defensa Justicia from Argentina, who are the current uh, Commonwealth Sudamericana champions. Um, teams I've watched and covered over the course of the last couple of months. Um, and the group stage in the Libertadores at the moment is, is starting to get to, to sort of business time. Now, you need to, if you are going to advance, you, you need to start picking up some wins. And um, those two played in, in a game called the uh, called the Conmebol Recopa, which is essentially the, the Super Cup of South America. And I was fortunate enough to commentate on both legs and, and thought it was feisty. Um, there was a, an almighty scrap towards the end of it as well. So this is the first time these two teams are meeting after that. And I think it's going to be really, really entertaining. So there we go. Palmeiras against Defensa Justicia. Well, that Dan? should be fun, yeah. I, uh, I, forgot to, I forgot to look one up, so I guess <laughs> I'm going to Hazelwood Park and watching uh, <laughs> FC Minnesota take on uh, the Lions FC on Sunday. Kind of painted myself in a corner, so that's where I'm going. <laughs> I like it. Uh, mine is going with, uh, based off one of my write-that-down predictions from, I think, last week or two weeks ago, I said Juventus would not qualify for the Champions League this year. Looking at the current standings of Syria, uh, ah, crap, I, I took them away. Um, but currently in Syria, uh, Juventus currently sit fifth. The top four teams in Italy qualify for the Champions League. Juventus are only out of the Champions League by one point. They play Bologna this weekend, while Napoli faces... I can't remember who they face, but Milan faces um, Atalanta. Milan and Atalanta are 2-3 and three in Serie A. Napoli are sitting right above Juventus in the standings at 4, with Juventus sitting at 5. Napoli play Hellas Verona, so there's a ton to play for this coming weekend, the final weekend of action in Italy, and... Because my write that down says Juventus will not qualify, I either want to see them draw or lose, and the other teams just make it so that Juventus can't qualify for the Champions League. So I'm pulling for Bologna here. There you go. There will be so many people that have spent a lot of money that will be furious if Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo are not in the Champions League. Um, oh yeah. If <laughs> if Juventus really don't really qualify, good. if Juventus don't qualify for the Champions League, uh, you can. You can be pretty sure Cristiano Ronaldo is leaving Italy. He's going back to Portugal. He'll play for Sporting, the <laughs> champions of Portugal, next season like his mom wants him to. Well, I mean, you've well, got to, do what you listen want to mom. Let's, yeah, let's be honest always. Here, but um, I, I, I wonder, would he fancy perhaps one last crack at Manchester United? I wonder. Oh, don't, um, don't do this to me. <laughs> oh, please make it happen. Is that on offer? Because I, 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 I the problem is, what do you do with the number seven shirt? Because Cavani's already got it, and he's playing magnificently. Sorry, Cavani. Sorry. It is what it is. But I, I wouldn't that be absolutely incredible? And, and I, I just think, you know, wouldn't he wouldn't he fancy one last opportunity to sort of rebuild Manchester United, you mm-hmm. know, and have a season or two there? Because I agree with you. I think eventually he, he's going to go back and play at, at Sporting Lisbon. Um, maybe um, this, is, this is before or maybe even after his inevitable spell whether it's in Major League Soccer or the Chinese Super League or somewhere along those lines, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I hope he comes to Major League Soccer at some stage, but I'll be honest, I'd, I'd be very surprised. Um, I, I think the league have their eyes set on Lionel Messi if they're going to go for one of the two. 
Um, and I, I, I would expect that to happen over the course of the next three years or so. Um, we, we, we all know the rumours, don't we? We all know it's New York City yeah. FC because of the, the Manchester City connection, which everyone is saying that's where he's going to go. But it, it, it's all hearsay right now. But, but in terms of Ronaldo not getting into the Champions League, that would be that would be wild. And also, just a little bit further down the table, Roma aren't absolutely guaranteed Europa League football either. That yeah. would be That would be crazy given the fact that Jose Mourinho is going to be the manager there next season. He will not be right. happy going to a team that won't be in European football. Yeah. Wow. Well, they could qualify the, for the Europa Conference League or whatever the heck the new Conference one is. League, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the standards of the Premier League today, by the way, and everyone's talking about West Ham, like how, how it would have been amazing for them to get in the Champions League. Right now, as it stands, they qualify for the Europa Super, uh, Conference League. Whatever there you it's go. <laughs> They're going to get the consolation of the consolation prize. Congratulations. Wow. Not sure that's what you want. All right, we've gone on for, I'm looking at the timer here, an hour and 11 minutes, so it has been fun talking to you guys. Finally. So one, one question. Yes. One question. What's in the wine glass? A little Cabernet, a little Pinot Noir? Oh, a little Sauvignon Blanc, mate. Um, oh, okay. I'm, All right. I'm a, a big fan of the New Zealand wine. I will never, I will never ever say I am a wine connoisseur. In fact, I'm far <laughs> from it. As long as it, as long as it's wet, I'll drink it. No problem. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying the uh, the beautiful day outdoors. So yeah. Thank you for joining us, sir or Cal. It's been it's been fun having you on with us. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, good, Dan, good talking to you. We will talk to you next week, Dan. Yep, see you. Have a good night. This has been Loon Talk. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts, as well as on Score North's YouTube channel. Thank you for listening, and have a good one. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.